This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine, and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD Plus melatonin as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and our guest, Dr. Jenna Henderson, uh, who is the leading natural practitioner uh, for kidney health. She's a naturopathic physician. She herself uh, has been there, done that with kidney problems, uh, has surmounted some of the challenges that she's had as someone who had uh, kidney failure early in life, ultimately a dialysis followed by transplantation. And she knows the field and focuses on it in her practice, which I misspoke earlier. I said it was in Danbury, Connecticut, uh, recently moved to New Paltz, but uh, you needn't worry about the geographic location of Dr. Henderson because she's available for telephone, Skype, appointments and many of her patients uh, deal with her that way. In fact, you have a big foreign clientele, right? Yeah, we have um, patients all over the world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's this is, I think, a good way to tune up your uh, renal program if you have, well, what are some of the conditions that, that, are, that come under the rubric of kidney health? Let's expand upon that. Okay. So um, diabetes and hypertension. And um, there's all types of glomerular nephritis, you know, inflammatory conditions of the kidney, um, FSGS, which and is what of, I was And a lot of kids suffer with. from those conditions, just small children sometimes. Yeah, minimal change is the most common pediatric condition. Um, IgA nephropathy, we also see quite a bit of. And um, then there are there's inflammation attached with lupus that affects the kidneys. Um, and we also see uh, particular diseases of the kidney, like polycystic kidney disease. Mm -hmm. A hereditary condition where the kidneys are mm -hmm. sort of like Swiss cheese. Right. Right. And that leads to kidney failure. What about kidney stones? Do you work at all with patients who suffer from frequent uh, bouts of kidney stones? I do. Yeah, they make up um, you know, a small percentage of the practice. But yes, we definitely um, help patients with it. Sometimes the stones are too large and people need to go the route of lithotripsy to mm -hmm. break it up. Um, but even doing something like curcumin can help make that lithotripsy less taxing to the kidney. Mm -hmm. What about prevention of kidney stones? How do you go about that? If, say someone is out about kidney stones, they pass the stones, but man, they don't want to go through that ever again. Right. Well, the biggest factor is dehydration. You know, so that that's something you know most people have um, 
their idea of how much water they should be drinking sometimes can be a bit off. And then it, a lot depends on the type of stone. Is it a uric acid stone, oxalate, staghorn kidneys? So, um, you know, we can get very targeted um, in what kind of prevention we can do to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Let's assume it's the most common type of stone, which is uh, the calcium oxalate type of stone. Uh, do you recommend a certain diet for that or certain supplements? Right. Well, we want to um, reduce the oxalates in the diet, and that can be tough because, you know, that does cover um, a lot of good, healthy foods. Um, and then there's also Beets some products and greens that, and things like that. Yeah. So, um, but there's also products that can help bind oxalates. Hmm. And, um, you know, so that can, you know, if, if we, we know we're going to cheat on our diet, you know, we, we kind of have a plan B. What are those? Are, the, are those available over the counter or are they prescription products? Um, well, there's one called Nephure, and um, you know that that it's a powder, and mm -hmm. it's um, particularly good at at binding oxalates. Hmm. Interesting. So it, it takes takes them out of the system before they're absorbed and uh, deposited in the kidneys. Right. Okay. Uh, and then there a lot of patients uh, who have kidney stones are people who've undergone gastric bypass or intestinal surgery. They're more prone to stones, I assume. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, getting them just eating a good, healthy diet, you know, um, oftentimes just, um, you know, things that most people would take for granted, you know, get, getting rid of the, the processed food is, is going to be very important. Or alternatively, uh, being overzealous about health, I read an account recently of someone who underwent gastric bypass who decided they're going to get it really on a health kick, so they did a lot of green juices, green mm -hmm. juices, green juices, you know, to help uh, facilitate the weight loss, but they developed very, very severe kidney stones from that. I guess that makes sense because you're the oxalate because of the change in the structure of the gastrointestinal tract and fat malabsorption. It's just doesn't have any place to go. It gets absorbed. Right. Yeah. I try to caution patients against doing any type of extreme diet. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just everything's about balance. In, indeed. Um, so um, you, you mentioned, and this is on your website, that Part of your program is not just about the kidneys, mm -hmm. because we can we can always do something to restore kidney function, even artificially, with either dialysis or with uh, transplantation. But it's a known fact that people who are on dialysis have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease and other problems. So speak to us about some of the problems that people in, on dialysis are susceptible to and what they should be looking out for in terms of prevention? Because you, you may not ultimately die of kidney disease, but you could have an accelerated death due to other types of problems. Right. And um, by far, the number one cause of mortality for most kidney patients is that secondary cardiovascular disease. And it's interesting that something, so many things that are good for the kidneys also are very good for your heart, like coenzyme Q10. Um, also, resveratrol um, helps with kidney function and um, also, you know, very well studied for cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. I, I notice in some of my patients uh, who have kidney failure uh, or on dialysis, uh, they have very high homocysteines. So what, what significance is that and what can be done about it? Right. Yeah. So they, they need to, you know, make sure they're getting um, 
a good balance in their diet first. Um, oftentimes they lose their appetite. And so, you know, important to just make sure they're eating enough, um, but also getting, you know, good quality B vitamins, mm-hmm. you know, very, very important. And, um, you know, some people just aren't good methylators. The methylating, the methylating formulas, methyl right. formulas, methyl B. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, dialysis is a, I mean, let's face it, it's an unpleasant experience. You have to go to a dialysis clinic. You have to spend hours there. Um, there are options. You can have uh, peritoneal dialysis or you can have it through a shunt in your arm. Uh, what are, what are, what's your advice to patients who are, uh, nearing the threshold where they may require a dialysis and how can they minimize the um, drudgery and uh, unpleasantness of that experience? Okay, well, oftentimes we can delay the process, sometimes um, by years. You know, I've had patients who worked with me, they started off with me and their creatinine was in the threes and eight years later still creatinine in the threes, you know, mm-hmm. we, we never got it back to normal, but we kept it in check enough to really, you know, keep the dialysis To forestall dialysis, day. yeah. In other words, yeah. they could lead normal lives and, and uh, they're basically holding the line. For our listening audience, what, what happens is, you know, as your creatinine goes up, I mean, normal is, you know, what, 0.6 to 1.4 or 1.2. Uh, as it goes up into the twos and the threes, it's almost it develops sort of a fatal momentum uh, mm-hmm. where the higher it is, the more it progresses and you cross the threshold where it's almost impossible, a point of no return, uh, where you have a really a dim prospect of recovering kidney function. Uh, so that's quite a feat. You know, someone who has a creatinine of three, keeping it at three, because three pretty soon turns to four to five to six, seven, eight, and then boom, you're, you know, getting a shunt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, but they have to be very diligent. Oftentimes I work with people and their next blood test looks great. The one after that looks good. And then just human nature, they don't feel like they're in the danger zone anymore. They start to slack off on the supplements and the diet. And, you know, blood test number three or four is alarming and we have to, you know, backtrack and try, try to get mm-hmm. things back on track. So, um, you know, so it's usually, um, a variety of supplements, quite, quite a few. We, you know, I go after it pretty aggressively when the creatinine is high and, um, you know, it takes a lot of diligence on the part of the patient to, to stay with it. There, there haven't been many advances in the, in dialysis over the decades or have there been? I mean, it, uh, I recall it during my medical school, uh, training as being a very arduous, uh, uncomfortable process. Is, are they making it any easier? Are they getting more sophisticated? Uh, well, I certainly have it better than my cousin did, who did dialysis in the 80s. Um, I, I think, you know, they make small changes every decade. Um, that can often translate into um, much better quality of life. So um, I actually do home hemodialysis mm-hmm. right now. Oh, so, so that's an innovation uh, that you don't have to go to a clinic. Uh, and right. you can hook yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they told me I would be inserting my own needles. I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, but they convinced me to give it a try, and I'm really glad I did. It's a lot of work, but um, it's very rewarding to you know just be able to do it on your own time schedule and you know be in control of the process. And um, the statistics are very good because you do more frequent sessions when mm-hmm. you do it at home. Right. And so you don't get these peaks of uremic toxins in your bloodstream and mm-hmm. then cleaned out. Um, so doing it more frequently really does help with long-term survival. 
This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years, and now the 45-day money-back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158. That's 800-982-9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Yeah, so let's talk about uremia, because uremia I mean, has to do with your BUN score, right, which is another thing that rises... Your creatinine rises, BUN rate. What's bad about uremia for the body? What, why, why do you have to keep cleansing out those waste products? Well, there's actually more than 3,000 identified waste products that the kidneys handle. Okay. Pretty much any toxic that's, you know, toxin that's water soluble is handled by the kidneys, and that, that's a lot of metabolic wastes. So they use creatinine generally as the indicator for how your kidneys are doing. Um, creatinine comes from our muscle tissue, and since our muscle mass doesn't vary much from one day to the next, you know, it tends to be the most reliable indicator. Um, it's also the reason why when we're estimating the glomerular filtration rate, um, they adjust male to female because men having a more muscle mass tend to have a, a bit higher creatinine. Um, BUN, blood urea nitrogen, that's the other big waste product that they measure. Um, this comes from dietary protein. And so sometimes people are on a very high protein yeah, diet, they may have a mm-hmm. high BUN, but if their creatinine is, is normal, it's not that their kidneys are deficient, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's more about what they're, they're doing with their diet. Mm-hmm. Well, so it, let's say uh, you skip a dialysis session, uh, or you, or maybe you're a disadvantaged person and you can't afford uh, home dialysis, which may be, I don't know, more, uh, you know, more for sophisticated patients like yourself and you you do fewer sessions what's the downside what what could happen to you to you in terms of disease progression or aging okay well you know that's one good thing about medicine here in this country you know medicare does a really good job at covering end stage kidney disease and so um you know there's there's lots of options so not getting the care that you need, usually it's more about just patients being non-compliant than there not being available mm-hmm. options for them. Um, but something that, you know, most people don't think about is that, you know, when your kidneys shut down, uh, generally you stop making urine. And, um, you know, so usually you go through a phase where the kidneys can't concentrate urine anymore and you're urinating profusely. And then gradually that shifts and you urinate less and less. And if you've been on dialysis, if you've been in renal failure for a length of time, usually you're anuric. You're not making urine mm-hmm. at all. Uh, makes long road trips easier, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, fluid can build up in your body, and that fluid overload is dangerous to your heart. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so you know whatever your um, treatment protocol is, you know you really need to be diligent with it. And you know, like anything in life, dialysis is really what you make of it. So you know, there's there's a lot of scary statistics out mm-hmm. there about it. Um, you know, on average, it extends you know life less than ten years, and um, 
Yeah, I'm but going that's partially because the, partially because <laughs> yeah. I think the the people who undergo dialysis have pre-existing conditions which led to the dialysis, which may also compromise their survival. If you have just one mm-hmm. clean hit that wipes out your kidneys, but you're otherwise healthy, uh, maybe less of a uh, a dent in your uh, your life expectancy. Right. And, you know, I I do see a lot of people who begrudge going to dialysis and um, and the fluid restrictions and the restrictive diet. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there is a lot of noncompliance out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also see some problems with the bones in patients with Mm -hmm. kidney disease. So how do you address that uh, to make sure, you know, it's fine. Okay, you extend your life with dialysis, but then you succumb to a fracture. How do you avert that? Okay. Well, um, a big reason for the bones breaking down is high phosphorus. So um, when you eat phosphorus, normally the kidneys will eliminate it. Um, Dialysis patients or people with advanced kidney disease have to take phosphorus binders. And um, it's important to keep your blood phosphorus in check. When that goes high, the body will take calcium out of the bones. Mm And then that bound calcium phosphate often settles in soft tissues, like the lining of the blood vessels. So mm-hmm. you get this calcification, which is, is very bad. For our so, uh, non-construction workers, uh, calcium phosphate is also known as concrete, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so, it's, 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 yeah. A, it's bad. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, something that is a hardened uh, plaque that can mm-hmm. form. Uh, so is calcium Vitamin- supplementation... Uh, contraindicated for patients with kidney disease? Do you have to be Oftentimes, careful? Oftentimes, they start patients on a calcium-based phosphorus binder, but once the blood calcium starts to creep up, they go to a non-calcium-based one. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, something else that we can do is vitamin K. Uh, Vitamin K helps bind the calcium to the collagen fibers in the bone and Mm -hmm. keeps the calcium in the bones where it belongs. So it's good for preventing calcification of the blood vessels and holding on to bone density. And what about uh, the effects of environmental toxins on uh, the kidneys? Do we have to be careful about that? And and can uh, exposure to environmental toxins compromise your kidney function? I understand it can, uh, especially heavy metals. Yes, heavy metals or um, people who work with with solvents in their day to day work. Um, you know, people who deal with pesticides. You know, oftentimes this this can be a problem because you know it it has to pass through the kidneys. So um, you know. Getting these toxins out of their system safely is is often a challenge. It is and because it's uh, chelation therapy, as we ordinarily perform in uh, people with normal kidney function. You have to be super careful uh, with people who would eliminate these things with their impaired kidney function. Right, garlic and cilantro is good orally. Um, activated charcoal can also be good, um, but I also do a lot of skin detox for patients, hmm. um, either infrared sauna or doing detox baths. Uh, that can be really helpful. You know, optimizing the skin as a detox organ. Mm-hmm. And what about when it comes to uh, food selection? Uh, is it really of special importance for these individuals to follow a organic food diet and make sure they're not exposing themselves to any hazardous chemicals as much as possible yeah if if they can get fresh organic food that that's always better um there was actually an interesting study that showed that kombucha helps the kidneys deal with environmental toxicity uh and so uh 
what do you do with the kids? I mean, do the kids with kidney disease, do you work with them with a similar type of program? Yes. Um, you know, we're trying to keep them off of prednisone as much as possible or some of the other different immunosuppressants. And it's really important because um, kidney disease can stunt their growth. So we really want to get them out of nephrotic syndrome as, as quickly as possible and you know, just stop that, that protein leaking. Um, one of the things that people really don't consider oftentimes um, that relates to the kidney is sleep. Okay. Um, Traditional Chinese medicine has long noted that um, insomnia and kidney trouble tend to be linked. Hmm. And oftentimes these parents, you know, they'll have a, you know, five, seven-year-old and they go to bed at midnight or after. And I'm like, no, no they have to go to bed really early, um, have to be on an early schedule, have to get regular sleep and, um, you know, deal with the insomnia issue. In men who have uh, kidney failure, you know, part of the problem with kidney failure is sometimes due to the low protein diet, uh, sometimes due to just the illness itself, uh, they tend to waste, they tend to lose muscle mass. Is it appropriate to use uh, anabolic uh, things like testosterone sometimes, uh, as I've done with some patients with kidney failure? Testosterone will raise blood pressure, so I'm cautious with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I look at, at other options first. Um, the amino acid L-histidine is good for helping the muscle wasting of kid- mm-hmm. chronic kidney disease. But without uh, putting an undue burden on the kidneys, because amino acids inherently, they have to be eliminated uh, renally, so you, maybe you don't want to take massive amounts of uh, protein powder or uh, branch chain amino acids in great quantities, maybe that's not such a good idea? Right. And I always tell patients to spread their protein out over the course of a day. you know, because we eat protein, it goes to the stomach, and then a few hours later, it's in the bloodstream, and from there, it hits the kidneys. So we don't want a big load of protein hitting the kidneys all at once. So I encourage people to just eat, you know, small amount of protein at every meal, and you know, maybe two snacks with a little bit of protein. So the more you you spread that protein out, the better. Sometimes I get patients who say to me, "Oh, I don't eat protein all week, but I let myself go on Sunday and eat a big steak." And I'm like, "Oh, that's exactly what you don't want to do." Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you. <laughs> nature being what it is, uh, it's sometimes mm-hmm. tough to avoid temptation. Uh, well, this has been great. Have, have we? Are there any points you want to cover that we haven't covered yet? We did talk about uh, some of the nutrients that are, are helpful, uh, carnitine, uh, coenzyme Q10, uh, vitamin K, fish oil, uh, vitamin D, uh, mm-hmm. within reason, because you actually like to keep the vitamin D from not, you know, you don't want it sky high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, Chinese herb salvia mitsuriza, um, also called dan shen, that's a, is a good sage for family, function. right? Salvia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, red Chinese sage, and um, it's a traditional herb for the heart, but it's also very good for the kidneys. Interesting, but I think uh, we must issue a bit of a caveat: is you don't want to be taking traditional Chinese herbs willy nilly because some of them are spiked and adulterated and may have adverse effects on the kidneys. And so not to be avoided entirely, but maybe given under the guidance of an experienced practitioner like yourself who knows them. Right. Yeah, and that's true for vitamins in general. Um, you know, there's a lot of additives that I warn patients about. Um, silicon dioxide um, can be an irritant to the hmm. kidneys. That's a common additive, and it's it's sand. So you know, something. It's that in a lot of vitamins. It's a lot of capsulating materials sometimes. 
Right. Yeah. And um, phosphorus additives, dicalcium phosphate. Yes. Yeah. Um, propylene glycol, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is the antifreeze you would put in your car. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's common in a lot of low-grade supplements. So, um, you know, so it's always good to have a, you know, a professional giving you some advice on what's a good quality brand. Okay. Well, uh, you fulfill that role, and it's a very niched role. Uh, I think you're helping a lot of people. Uh, because this is a much ignored uh, area within the field of natural medicine is, you know, we, again, we're not here to supplant high tech medicine in terms of dialysis, transplantation, the use of medications. Uh, I'm sure you agree that uh, we want to minimize those if possible and forestall the need for these things. But should the need arise, medication plays a role, things to keep blood pressure in check as well, uh, because that's important for the kidneys. But, uh, what do you eat? What supplements do you take? What's safe? What's not safe? Uh, that's your realm. And where can people find more information about your practice? Okay. My website is www.holistic-kidney.com. www.holistic-kidney.com, appropriately enough. And your practice is physically located in New Paltz, but uh, should that daunt people who are on... Uh, you know, the West Coast or even overseas who are listening to this, uh, oh, they no. can arrange a consultation with you, right? Yeah, we have um, lots of patients from Australia, New Zealand, even Indonesia. So, yeah, we have patients from all over. Well, the need is great across the world. So thanks for fulfilling that uh, role. And, uh, you know, you are a shining role model of someone who's effectively coped with a challenging health condition and actually turned it into... Um, an avocation, which is mm-hmm. your medical specialty. So congratulations to you and stay well, stay active and, uh, you know, continue to help a lot of people. I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Jenna Henderson. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.